Here's where Colossae is. And there we are. Did any of you, have any of you seen Star Wars movies? The first one, the very first one, session four or whatever it was. When did you see it? Did you see it when it first hit Australia? Exactly. In fact, it was October 1977 when I was there. And I was serving in the Air Force at the time and I just made a good friend about 12 months before who has been my friend for the rest of my life since then. And uh, he and I decided we might this the look at this movie or go and see it. So we went to the movies in Ipswich. And if you've seen the movie, you know the story. But then at the end of the movie, if we just go past the blank page to the next one, thanks, you get the movie credits. You probably can't read them from there. So I'm sure that when you really enjoy a movie, you all sit there and you watch through these minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes of credits. Who does that? One person, two people. I only had one person at Vicky Point this morning that read through all the credits. Well, I certainly don't. I just switch off at the end of the movie. Um, but there they go, again. Couldn't get the movie one there this morning. I always think that long lists of people is really boring. I mean, who cares who Gaffer 1 was and Gaffer 2, or the, who, who the, whoever else it was, the person that bought the horses or whatever it was? Who cares? But movie credits tell us a lot. Because from them we learn that a movie is not just about the actors, it's not just about the director, it's not just about the story. It's a team of people. So if we go to blank things. The movie doesn't happen without that long list of people working together to make it happen. It's a team. So I hope you've got your Bibles open at Colossians 4, 7 to 18, because you'll need them as we go through this list that Paul gives us. This final passage in Colossians tells us about a very important team, a much more important team than the team that put Star Wars together. This tells us about God's team. It tells us about how the church works. And we can't ignore what is written here because it's not just a list of movie credits. Now you don't get to Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, kind of scan down and just switch off and go to sleep. It's more important than that. In fact, it's God's word to us. Next slide, thanks. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, if you think the list at the end of Colossians is long, you need to go to Romans chapter 16 and see the list there. It's a very, very long list, but it's all there for a purpose, and it is part of God's Word. And so, even if we think, oh, how do I pronounce these words? Well, look, I'd just like to say, no one today, not even the top scholars, know exactly how those names were pronounced back 
when they were used 2,000 years ago. So you're on safe ground, however you pronounce them. So we read in chapter 1, verse 1 of Colossians, that Paul, the Apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, wrote this letter. And something we need to hang on to is that, yes, Paul wrote this letter, but at the same time, exactly the same time, the Holy Spirit was the author of this letter as well. So this is God's word that we're dealing with, and we need to come to it with a sense of awe and reverence. What are we going to learn from it? Because it speaks to us today with the same authority that it spoke to the church in Colossae and to the church in Laodicea and to every church down through the centuries as it's read it has the same authority from God that speaks to all generations so it's about real people real problems and real churches through the words of this letter we have heard the voice of God and there's that long list there Thanks, the next slide. Jesus Christ is. Fantastic. Poor old retirees at uh, Victoria Point who can't remember things. They just have to listen to me say all this. But you've got it up there and you can see which verses they're attached to. So Paul has gone to great lengths to challenge the church in Colossae and every generation of the Christian church about how important the Lord Jesus Christ is. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the creator of heaven and earth and all things within them. He is the sustainer of all things. He is the beginning of all things. He is the head of the church. Jesus is the dwelling place for the fullness of God. Jesus is the redeemer of all things. He is the one who brought peace by the flood of his cross. He is the mystery of God revealed. And he is the treasure chest of all wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is important. And he's crucially important to those of us who call ourselves Christians. He is to be central in the life of all Christians. You have the blank side, thanks. And so we come to the conclusion of this letter, this fabulous letter. And like the credits at the end of a movie, Paul tells us of his fellow Christian workers. That actually makes the church happen. And so if you look in your Bibles there to verse 7, the first name we have is Tychicus. Now, he appears a number of times in the Bible, but Tychicus is the mailman. He's the deliverer of this letter, but he's so much more than a mailman. He is, Paul describes him as a dear brother. He is a faithful minister. He is a fellow servant with Paul and with the other Christians in the Lord. And he would bring news of Paul to the church in Colossae. He would tell them about what was happening 
Even though Paul is there and he's in jail, but things are happening. Wherever Paul went, even in jail, things happen for the kingdom of God. And we discover that he was accompanied by someone else. His name in verse 9 is Onesimus. That's a strange sounding name. I remember one person saying, uh, one Isimus. Now, that's what it looks like. But as I said, it doesn't matter how you pronounce it. That's the name. And Paul describes him as a faithful and dear brother. We need a bit of background on Onesimus. So Paul has sent Tychicus with a letter, and he sends Onesimus with a letter also. Because Onesimus was a runaway slave. He, it was illegal to run away. And when we think about slavery in our modern world, we, we're horrified by it. But in the world back then, it was a little bit different. Quite often it was a means of income for a person. Quite often it was a way of a person paying off their debts to someone else. Yes, there, there were horrific things that happened with slavery back then as well as today. But it was a part of the life of the world. And Paul isn't trying to make comment on slavery here. He's sending this dear brother, Onesimus, back to the church of his origin, back to Colossae. And he would be taking this letter to an important person in the congregation there at Colossae. Onesimus had become a Christian, runaway slave, may have stolen money, but he's been redeemed by the gospel. And he's working there alongside Paul. The master that he'd run away from was a man by the name of Philemon. And he was an active member of the church at Colossae. And we have that letter that Onesimus had to give his former master in the Bible, the book of oh, the letter to Philemon. So Onesimus was carrying this personal letter from Paul to Philemon, asking that he be accepted back into Philemon's household as a brother in Christ. Philemon had become a Christian. Now Paul was challenging Philemon to treat his slave as a Christian brother. It's amazing. And then we come to Aristarchus in verse 10. Well, we're told that he is a fellow prisoner with Paul. Oh yeah. Okay, he is a fellow prisoner. Let's think about this. Paul's in prison for the gospel. Aristarchus is in prison for the gospel as well. And so Aristarchus sends his greetings to the Christians in Colossae. And many others did. John Mark, or Mark, in verse 10. Mark is the one who went on Paul's first missionary journey and deserted them halfway through the mission. And Paul thought, that's the end of that. I'm never going to have Mark come on a mission journey with me or be anywhere near me. And Mark, who was the cousin of a man by the name of Barnabas, 
They went with Paul on that missionary journey. Paul and Barnabas fell out over the fact that Paul would not forgive Mark for what he'd done. But years later we find that Mark has been forgiven. He's now working with Paul and quite often is mentioned. So Paul continues his list with a man by the name of Jesus called Justice sends his greetings as well. Now, if your name was Jesus in that first century and you became a Christian, wouldn't you think it would be a bit awkward allowing yourself to go and be called Jesus? So he's known as Justice. And then Luke also sent his greetings. This is the Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke, who wrote the Book of Acts, and who accompanied Paul on many of his journeys. He sends his greetings. And the final person to send just greetings there is Demas. And he also sends greetings in Paul's letter to Philemon. But sadly, this is the sad part of his story, we read in, we have the next slide with uh, 2 Timothy 14, thanks. We read that Demas, in love with his present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. In other words, Demas had taken on the world and allowed the world to change him and he'd moved away from pain. Sad story, but it can happen to any one of us if we focus too much on filling our lives with the things of this world. We focus on Jesus. He's to be first in our lives. And then we come to Epaphras. Well, Epaphras was from Colossae. And he'd been converted by Paul. And he sends his greetings. And he had planted the church in Colossae. And he, he was the one, the faithful one, who took the gospel. It wasn't Paul, it was Epaphras who took the gospel to the Colossians. And people became Christians and he planted the church there. You know all about church plants? That's what we've all got to do. And we discovered that he sent his greetings, but he was a servant with Paul uh, of Christ Jesus. He always wrestled in prayer for the Colossians. And that word wrestling in prayer comes from a Greek word that we get the word agonized from. So if you like, Epaphras is agonizing out of his love for the Christians in Colossae. He's agonizing for them in his prayers. And he worked hard for them, Paul tells us. And those at Laodicea are found about 12 or 15 k's away, and Hierapolis about the same distance away. And then, after this list, he sends greetings to Nympha in verse 15 and the church that met in her house. Well, friends, you don't have a church building here, do you? Maybe you've got a school building. You don't have a church building. And neither did Christians for the first few hundred years of the Christian church. They met in their homes. So, Nympha is one of these wonderful Christians who opened a home so that the Christians could meet in the house. 
And the final name mentioned here is Archippus, in verse 17. And Archippus is told to complete the work he had received in the Lord. Now, a lot of scholars have kind of worked on this. But as far as we can tell, he was probably preaching the gospel at Colossae. He was probably a pastor there at that time. And Paul is encouraging him, don't give up. Keep on preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he says to Timothy, in season and out of season, when it's convenient and when it isn't convenient. Keep on preaching it. And Paul closes this precious letter by saying, remember my chains. In other words, friends in Colossae, remember where I am for the sake of the gospel. Please, keep me up in prayer. Please, remember there is a cost to being a Christian in this world. And then he says, grace be with you. And it finishes. So here is the ministry team led by Paul, his list of credits. There it is. You can go through it at another time if you like. If you're a true follower of Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, if your life has been transformed by the blood of Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary, then you are a member of his church. If you know in your heart that you're not yet truly a believer like that, then at the end of the service, come and have a chat with Joel. Have a chat with Russell, who will be here soon, or with Joss. Um, talk to them about it. It's worth getting to know about Jesus. For those of you who are faithful Christians, you can't be a spectator. You're a blank slide there. May I ask you a question because I usually ask questions at the end of my sermons. What are you doing to be part of the Lord's team here at Shorter? Now, you may be new, you may be settling in and you might not know exactly what you can do at the moment, that's fine. Um, but you may be an established member over these few short months of the church here. What can you do? Well, when I was talking to people who are quite aged at Victoria Point this morning, I'll use the same illustration uh, of the same things that you can do. Friends, primarily you can pray for one another and for the church ministry team here. You can do that every day. If you've got a booklet with the names of all the Christian people or church attenders um, at Redlands Presbyterian Church, why don't you just break it up into about five people a day and just keep praying through for all those people. That's part of being part of a church. You can care for one another, and some of you probably already are. You can be part of a Bible study group. And I just encourage you that that is really important. 
You can support one another and you can take an active part in the life of your church. But you cannot be a spectator. We're challenged in the next slide by Paul to live a life worthy of the Lord and to please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. That is so important. Are you living a life worthy of the Lord? Or are you too caught up in the things going on around you in the community or whatever it might be to really put Jesus first? Is your name listed in the credits of this church? I'm going to pray. Uh, Russell did tell me, look, can you drag it out a bit at the end if I haven't arrived or he hasn't arrived yet? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to leave that to Joel. <laughs> so let's pray as we think about this, the ending of such an important matter. Heavenly Father, we come before you knowing that you have called us to be your people. Well, we may not quite understand that yet, but there are people who can help us. But Lord, as your people, you call us to be engaged as your church here on earth. And Lord, in doing that, you call us to be active participants, to be on that credit list of your church. And so Lord, I pray for all the folk here, that you would be with them, that you would encourage them, that you would help them to take on board something that they can do to contribute to the life of this church. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. We'll respond.